Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. This is Scott Durfee, joined, as always, by David Durfee. What's up, Dave? Always great to be with you, Scott, and have a conversation about some of these uh, important principles on repentance and forgiveness. The manifestations of forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness, yeah. Uh, and uh, one of the main ones that we've identified, uh, if not the main one, is definitely forgiveness. So, Dave, where do we go? Well, uh, last time we talked about the commandment. Remind everyone that it's a commandment that we forgive all men. That would certainly include ourselves. That we have a forgiving heart that we follow Christ's example. Don't think I don't know if we said that last week, Scott, but you know, one of his last seven statements, seven statements he makes from the cross, right in the middle of those seven statements is when he looks down at the Roman soldiers and others and pronounces forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I think that's so true for so many wrongs and mistakes and uh, hurt. and uh, So many people are just out of their mind and they don't know what they do and they don't understand. And, and uh, Jesus was forgiving. God is forgiving. I love the lectures on faith that talk about how forgiving, how merciful, how gracious. Uh, he is a forgiving being. Uh, he loves to forgive. Why wouldn't he? Otherwise, all of his suffering, all of his pain, all of his blood that he shed would be in vain. So uh, he's anxious to forgive. There's so many examples of that in the scriptures. Uh, the woman caught in the very act of adultery, he wouldn't condemn. It's true that he didn't forgive her there and then, but he wanted to. I know he wanted to and tells her, go thy way and sin no more, knowing that forgiveness would come soon if if her heart was right and she did right. The woman that uh, washes his feet in Luke chapter 7, because she loved much, she received much mercy. And, and, and there are just so many examples, Scott, of how quick he is to forgive. And, and I know that's true uh, for individuals who are sinning today. That's true for me, true for you, true for my family, your family. I, I know that's true. I, I feel that. And, you know, it's, it's really kind of amazing because as a natural man, uh, when I sin, I would probably, if it were somebody in my family that I knew was doing that, I, it'd probably take me a while to forgive and get over it, you know. It amazes me that when I... Now, I I know we're just sinners helping sinners, and I'm not any better than anybody else. But it always amazes me uh, when I repent how quickly, speedily, I am forgiven. Yeah. And I I feel it. I know it. And I go, I wow. Wow, I know I'm feeling the Holy Ghost, so I must be forgiven in that... I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy to be forgiven. And it's kind of interesting that that's what King Benjamin brings up in uh, his discourse after he's uh, seen the people fall down and repent. And then he tells them, remember, uh, 
your unworthiness. Uh, none of us are are worthy or will be totally worthy or um, what what's the word? Um, none of us will earn it. It comes totally as a gift, just as a free gift, if we will just ask and receive it. I know that's true not only for forgiveness of our own sins, but it's also true for the gift to be able to forgive others. And we spent a lot of time on that last week, Scott. But I, I want to today um, continue that discussion, maybe give some examples uh, of it, and maybe talk a little bit about the the blessings of forgiving ourselves and others. And how is it possible? You know, I... I think that's really an important part of this, is how can we do it? I know there's a lot of people in the church, Scott, who, and I'm not, I'm not one to judge, but, but I, I guess I've just, I'm old enough and had enough experience and know some individuals who are close enough to me that I know that there are individuals who um, still hold grudges and um, maybe even I do in some cases, Scott. You know, I, I've been offended. I've been hurt. I think the greatest hurt we go through uh, is when someone hurts our children. Yeah. Or they hurt our wife. Yeah. Our spouse. Or they hurt someone we really love. It's. I think it's easier for me to forgive when somebody hurts me than it is for me to forgive someone when they've hurt somebody that I really love. And I, I've been through that experience. I've I've been hurt by the church. The church has hurt me and hurt my children. Uh, not, you know, and it's true for all of us, really. I, I, I had a new thought this week. Uh, I think it came from uh, Brother Stephen Harper. But um, I was listening to him, and he says, you know, What's the, he was asking, I think, the question, what is the full name of the church? And so I'm going to ask you, Scott, what's the full name of the church? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's two ofs. Yeah. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, so of Christ, no problem there. Yeah. <laughs> no problem there. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Uh Totally uh, sinless. Um, well, that's that's what I choose to d- to dwell on. It's the second of that presents us with problems. Yeah, because that's us. That's the people. <laughs> that's the mortality component of uh, of this whole thing. The Church of Jesus Christ, a God, yep. perfected, immortal, uh, exalted, and then we have the Church of the Latter Day Saints. Human sinners, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just we can't we can't avoid that reality. No, and, and that comes with all of the uh, ugly little things that come with it too. Yeah. right? pride and deception, and just so so much other stuff too. Oh, I was uh, I spent a little time with someone recently who just really struggles with the culture of the church. Mm. And I, I get that. I actually really understand that because at times I have too. And, and I know that's my problem, right? That's my heart problem. Uh, 
if I if I struggle with people in the church or uh, collectively as a church, and I kind of get tired of the culture of uh, I don't know I don't I don't want to make any judgments, but you get you as a member of the church, it's it's sometimes hard to see all of the people with all of their different motives and all of their different uh, personalities and all of their different uh, uh, weaknesses. And I know I have all those too. I know people are looking at me and have a problem with me. I, I get that. But that's, that's, the, that's the reality. That's the culture, the church of the Latter-day Saints. And uh, it's hard for us to sometimes get over that. And uh, we just have to be make sure our heart is right and that we have uh, more mercy and more grace that we understand the principle that you receive grace for grace, you receive mercy for mercy. I I know it's true. We receive forgiveness as we are willing and able to forgive. But I, I think there's one point, Scott, that I don't know if we made strong enough last time, and that is um, how is it possible? How is it possible for us to forgive? And I, I think one of the things that's really... Um, helpful, strengthening to me in order to help me to forgive is when I realize this truth, that the atonement of Jesus Christ covers not only the sins committed, but it covers all of the effects of all the sins committed. It covers all of the pain all of the negatives that are the consequences of all the sins of all the world. That helps me to forgive others because when when um, someone in your family is hurt, I mean really drastically hurt by members of the church or sometimes even leaders of the church, uh, if there are negative consequences that come out of that, and and there are, Jesus Christ suffered for that too. And when negatives uh, create other negatives, for example, it seems to me that when uh, someone is uh, abused, oftentimes they become the abuser, that, that negatives beget negatives, and, it, and you get in that cycle. It's just really important for us to remember that Jesus Christ covered all of that too. Now, I'm not excusing I'm not excusing anyone's behavior or not holding them accountable because they will be held accountable. But I, I know that Jesus anticipated that. He knew that. He made ample provision for that and that it's covered so that when um, someone hurts me or my family, I know that Jesus suffered for all of that hurt and for all of the negative consequences that comes from the offense or the abuse or, or whatever it may be. And uh, that, that seems to give me the hope and the, the, the faith necessary, which I believe are totally necessary, in, in order to forgive others. 
sometimes this is difficult for me too. You know, you know, to to offer forgiveness. I've been offended, and sometimes I'm offended still at some of the dumbest things. You know, by my own judgment. I yeah. mean, they just really are. You know, Deb and I, I we're, you know, we we have a phenomenal relationship. We're best friends. We really are. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we've uh, in large part, uh, you know, have had this wonderful relationship because of the backgrounds that we've both been through you know we have deb's interview uh, i think it was episode 17 or whatever of of um season one if you want to go back and hear that and you know and i'm pretty forthcoming with you know all of my past as on a kind of a weekly basis here but you know the other day um you know we're we're a couple and uh, we sometimes say things that can hurt each other inadvertently and sometimes even on purpose right mm-hmm. and, and i got offended and uh, mm-hmm. man i hung on to that and i was justified in my uh, being offended uh, you know in my own mind in my own um fallen mind in my own natural yeah. man mind you know and mm-hmm. and finally at one point i just prayed and i said heavenly father i feel lousy right now and i know why um but i'm just having a really hard time letting go of you know something that she said which was really no big deal i mean it just really was no big deal and then um it was like almost i heard it i didn't but it was almost like i heard it but all of this stuff that we've been talking about in all of my life and you know interestingly enough yesterday uh, you know i was in the temple and you know love the uh, the imagery there love the temple how it uh, helps us to come a- again in contact with a deeper level of understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ and what that really means to mm-hmm. enter into the temple, to enter into a covenant with Jesus Christ and all that. But anyway, I got this response to my prayer. Um, well, aren't you glad I'm not slow to forgive you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and he's sinless. Yeah. And you're not. <laughs> you're, I'm far from it, right? And, and so that was a, a little bit of an experience I had. But, you know, as you were going on, some of the things that I was thinking about, and, and this was this is some of the stuff that we really try to make uh, impressionable, drive home, if you will, in our institute classes that we teach on this topic, that even that, even this uh, inability or seemingly inability that we sometimes have to not forgive others or whatever is also a result of the fall. It's one of the negative effects of the fall. It is. Because, you know, there's two major negative effects that come from the fall. The first one is spiritual death. The second one is physical death. Mm -hmm. Well, because of my spiritual death, I'm not with Heavenly Father in His presence on Mm -hmm. a constant basis. If I'm not in His presence on a constant basis, and if I don't have His Spirit with me, if I haven't taken upon me adequately His name, like I covenanted, renewed a covenant to do when I partake of the sacrament, if I haven't done that then the effects of the fall are kind of running my life, or at least that part of my life. Yeah. But, it, but it's when I am able to put on the atonement of Jesus Christ, it is when I am able to take upon me his name, and through covenant and through covenant relationship and through a relationship and a connection to Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit and all of them, then that's when the effects of the fall are also answered through Christ's atonement, even in this part of, uh, of my life. You know, so often we think of the atonement of Jesus Christ being an important um, thing for us only because of repentance, only to forgive us of our sins. Well, it's much more than just that. 
Uh, it's so much more than just that. It gives us the it, that you know, getting back to that enabling power. That ena- it enables us to also forgive others uh, through the Spirit, and and so on. And so, you know, we 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 we're going to talk about and focus a lot on forgiveness. But let's remember that it is because of the fall of Adam that we have the problem. The fall of Adam and Eve creates the problem, and it's the atonement of Jesus Christ and his power through his atonement that answers the problem, even when it comes to this, actually even when it comes to anything. Yeah. Well, Scott, um, so you've hit on a, a few key points. I, I really believe, Scott, that my experience, and there are some people even outside the church who are... Um, I don't know, more easily, I don't know if that's the the word, but more willing, maybe, uh, have a more uh, tendency or a, a more of a personality or character of forgiving others. I think sometimes in the church, Scott, because of our problems with perfectionism and meritocracy, where we think we can earn salvation or it has to be if anyone believes it has to be earned or that we're supposed to be perfect in this life which is often totally misinterpreted as meaning sinless and those are two different things perfection and being sinless but anyway we have some false expectations in this church we really do and i i see some individuals outside the church who have been through such terrible horrible things some of them I know personally, some of them I've seen in, in news, read their stories, and how quickly they're able to forgive because they know they're not any better than anybody else, and they just have the, the certain, you know, I remember, again, uh, Garrison Keeler, a Prairie Home Companion back in Minnesota. When I lived in Minnesota, I'd, I, I went to a few of his shows, and he was, uh, you know, such a liberal and so... Uh, Lutheran, liberal Lutheran, <laughs> and uh, he would talk about, oh, uh, Lutherans, we all we all know that we're evil. You know, we all know that we're sinners. We all know that we're evil, and uh, he would often talk about that, and it, it was a perspective that I thought, you know, uh, as Latter-day Saints, sometimes we think because we're the elect, because we're chosen, because we're special, uh, we get this idea that if we do anything wrong or anybody does anything wrong to us, we take it so much more seriously sometimes, and it becomes such a uh, a major deal for us that it makes it sometimes harder harder to forgive. I have a friend, and he always says this jokingly, but I think it applies here because he'll say, don't you know who I am? You know, and I think that that's kind of, we kind of, uh, you know, as... as we it, sometimes act. I think sometimes, you know, and I think I need to be careful not to just cast a blanket know, dispersion I I, over but, everybody. But, but, that's, but it is our culture. It's prevalent. There's no question. It's part of our culture. We I don't, can't... I don't really like sometimes. Yeah. I, In it, myself. I'm a, yeah. I can, maybe you just speak for myself. But I know that I've come to this conclusion, Scott, there's nothing that Jesus hates more than self-righteousness. Right. And sometimes our self-righteousness really gets in the way of, of being able to forgive others, yeah, including ourselves. Yeah. I mean, self-righteousness sets us up to fail, yeah. including 
the failure to forgive ourselves. Well, and arguably, maybe even especially to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Right? Because, yeah. you know, that, that when we subscribe to a set of principles that include in our minds, whether it's true or not, it is irrelevant. It's the perception of whether it's true or not to the individual that matters. And when we perceive that to be true... That can really play with us in ways that uh, can be confusing. Uh, we put ourselves right in the hands of the enemy unknowingly when we do this. I, I, he has control yeah. to a certain degree of our life when we do that. And so, you know, as we as we talk about this forgiveness, uh, you know, it, it, of ourselves and others, that both of those are going to be really important for us. I remember President Faust years ago in conference referring to the story about the Amish community yeah, uh, who, uh, I can't remember the man, but he wasn't Amish, who went into the little schoolhouse and uh, killed several of the children. And uh, the, the story is, uh, and I've, they made a movie, I think, out of that. I think you're right. And, yeah, I know uh, the story. Movie and book and uh, national news. And President Faust was so sweet to tenderly share that story as an example of how the Amish community who know they're sinners oh yeah and their their reverence for God and their their sacrifices and their lifestyle is is uh, all based upon knowing that they are not um, worthy how dependent they are upon upon God uh, anyway they they have a lot of uh, I think great things about their community and their faith, but how that the all the Amish fathers and mothers and children came together and prayed for that man's family, and how quickly they were willing to forgive. It was it was an amazing story, um, and there are so many other examples of that outside of the church right. of people yeah. who are who are willing, able through through, I believe, the power, at least the power of the Holy Ghost and the light of Christ, to to be able to forgive. And part of it's because of of the d- different perspective they have of who they are. And uh, they understand the commandment of God, which is given over and over again by him throughout the Scriptures, that you must love your enemy and forgive those who hurt you. And if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. So I... I I just think uh, that sometimes in the church we we don't take that serious enough, and sometimes it may be a little more difficult for us. Elder uh, Anderson, in the book on this chapter, uh, Forgiveness Through Forgiving, I love the title of the chapter, chapter 21, Forgiveness Through Forgiving. He, he shares the story that was told by Bishop McMullen years ago in General Conference about Corey Ten Boom, and I've I've always loved that book, The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm. Recommend it to all of our listeners to read that book. It's an amazing book about about this uh, wonderful Christian family who was trying to uh, to hide and protect Jewish uh, neighbors, friends. And then they be they were caught, and uh, it's it's an amazing story of how her and her sister and her family were sent to the uh, gas chambers and and her and her sister went to a concentration camp. Her sister dies in the concentration camp. 
Uh, it's an amazing story, wonderful book. Anyway, at one point near the end of the book, Corey Ten Boom, who's the author and and uh, sister, surviving, I think maybe the only surviving member of her family. Uh, anyway, he she she shares the experience she had coming face to face with one of her Nazi captors. So I'm just going to read part of this. And it's from, again, the April 2010 General Conference. In Holland, during World War II, the Casper Ten Boom family used their home as a hiding place for those hunted by the Nazis. This was their way of living out their Christian faith. Four members of the family lost their lives for providing this refuge. Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy spent horrific months in the infamous Ravensbrück concentration camp, and Betsy died there. Corey was the only to survive. In Ravensbrück, Ravensbrück, Corey and Betsy learned that God helps us to forgive. Following the war, Corey was determined to share this message. On one occasion, she had just spoken to a group of people in Germany suffering from the ravages of war. Her message was, God forgives. It was then that Corey Ten Boom's faithfulness brought forth its blessing. A man approached her after she had spoken in, in this church. A man approached her. She recognized him as one of the cruelest guards in the camp. And he said, You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said. I was a guard there, but since that time I have become a Christian. He explained that he had sought God's forgiveness for the cruel things he had done. He extended his hand and asked, Will you forgive me? Can you imagine that? Yeah. Corey Ten Boom then said, quote from her book, It could not have been many seconds that he stood there with his hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. The message that God forgives has a condition that we forgive those who have injured us. Help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. But you, God, have to supply the feeling. Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. As I did, an incredible thing took place. The current, the current, like an electrical current, started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood over my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard, and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. 
Well, I think that's an amazing example, Scott, of uh, not only an example of the miracle of for being able to forgive others, which I believe is as much a miracle for sure as us being forgiven by God. He supplies, he supplies the feeling. To be able to forgive others is not something, again, that we just do on our own. The ability, the strength, the, the understanding, the willingness, the power to forgive others is given to us as a gift from God. Um, so I, I, it's not just members of the church, and it's not even just Christian people. I, I, I know that uh, there are so many other examples of people who are who are willing to forgive, and I know that in every one of those cases, there are blessings that that follow that miracle. Yeah, there's no question about that. In fact, one of those blessings that follow that miracle, Corey Ten Boom, uh, that the very last sentence of what you just read, I had never known God lo- God's love so intensely as I did then. Yeah. I wonder what we would pay. Honestly, I, I want us all, this is an invitation for us to all just pause for a second right now. What would we give to fill God's mm-hmm. love so intensely, more intensely than we have ever felt it before? Think back to the last time or to the most intense time that you can think of when you, with the most intensity, felt God's love. What would you give to fill that again, but even more? Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe exponentially more from the way this sounds, because of the extremity of this story, the extremity of the love must have probably matched it. And so we get into, and we talk about this a lot. We've talked about it in the past uh, couple of weeks. I know for sure that there's a payoff to the things that we do. Mm. Uh, and so that payoff can come as either a negative or a positive, you know? So what would we be willing to give I really want us to, I know I'm saying it over and over again, but I really want us to consider what would you be willing to give to feel God's love? Uh, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And would we be willing to give that forgiveness? There's a lot of us, a lot of us uh, that are listening to this podcast today who have reason to harbor resentment, who have reason to not forgive, who have reason to feel animosity towards people that we love or have loved or who have loved us or people who maybe we haven't loved. Uh, you know, maybe even it's easier for us to to harbor and, and hang on to not forgiving to people that we don't love because we don't love them. There's no emotional investment there. Well, there actually is an emotional investment there, and that emotional investment is, is, um, is um, manifest to us or is evidenced through that feeling of hanging on to a resentment or, or whatever non-forgiveness looks like t- to us. Well, that, so, Scott, that's, that's the problem. Yeah, I, it is. The, the problem is not to just... We're not able or not willing to forgive. the The real problem is, is that it's the resentment. Yeah, is the resentment that we have towards others, which create this this hardness of heart, which uh, makes us incapable on our own of being able to forgive others. And until our heart becomes soft, we let go of the resentment. We let go of 
thinking that we're entitled, we let go of our self-righteousness, thinking we're better than anyone else or holding higher expectations than 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 we we should for any other person even ourselves all of that is the problem it's not it's it's not just that we're not able or willing to forgive it's what's behind all of that right what's in our heart what we harbor and what's it going what's it going to cost me if i do forgive if i forgive you then I don't have this resentment anymore. And I have learned to love this resentment because this resentment justifies me in so much of my bad behaviors and so much of my bad emotions and so much of Because, you know, there's a little bit of work. And not only that, not only that, but there's a strong amount of humility that has to be demonstrated mm. when we offer that forgiveness. And, I, you know, a lot of us don't want to give that humility to somebody who has offended us? You, you really think some people prefer a hard heart? Evidence shows it over a soft one. Yeah, evidence shows it. I I, I don't think that cognitive. I think if you asked anybody, would you rather have a hard heart or a soft heart? Anybody, most anybody would tell you a soft heart. But what our words say is incongruent with what our lives are lived. Yeah, we close them. We close them, and they become hard. Correct. And we need to open them and allow them to become soft. And um, again, Scott, that requires a miracle. Yeah, it's not just something we do on our own. It's some we should pray. We should pray to be able to forgive. Yeah, maybe even more fervently than we pray to be forgiven. Right. Really, and that may that may include when we repent of sin. To ask God to not only forgive us, but to help us to forgive ourselves. When is the last time you, me, all of our listeners, when is the last time that you repented? Did you pray to be able to forgive yourself? Well, again, I know that it's not just ourselves that are capable of doing these things. On our own, uh, it, they they come to us as miracles, and they come through the uh, through the gift or power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, there's uh, other examples, Scott. We can touch on in regards to uh, amazing miracles and examples. Uh, I, I'm always touched by the Chris Williams story. You know, which was uh, several years ago here in Utah, Salt Lake City. He's a bishop, serving as a bishop. He and his wife and children are in uh, South Salt Lake, Midville, actually, I think. Um, It's late at night. They're going home from a family activity, and they're hit head-on by a drunk driver. A young man, I think 18 years old who's been drinking, and uh, and Chris sees his, his wife and his daughters die. I think his uh, two sons maybe survived. His wife was pregnant, eight months, I think, pregnant. And, uh, and he, watches, he watches that. And, and when he goes to the hospital, to his, his son's in critical condition. One, their oldest son was not with them at the time. Yeah, but the uh, the other the other son is in critical condition, and 
when the stake president goes to the hospital to see Chris and uh, ask him, what can we do for you? The, the stake president reported, and you can all see this in a wonderful church video that's been made about it, and Chris has written a book about it. And Anyway, Chris responds to a stake president's question, how is the young man doing? How's the young man doing? That's that's pretty amazing that that was his that was his concern, and I'm also sure that Chris knew that the atonement of Jesus Christ was there for that young man, and that was part of his thinking at the time. But uh, we had Chris come to the Institute of Religion uh, at UVU, Scott, and so I met. Chris personally and heard the rest of the story. And I think there's something instructive in maybe the rest of the story. Chris, when he was a young man, I think 16 or 17, if I recall correctly, was working at the uh, hospital, the LDS hospital. And he was uh, frantically trying to find a place to park his car to go to work. And I think he was kind of in a hurry, and and uh, as I remember it, or remember thinking, is that he was maybe a little late, and he was he was rushing, he was looking for a place to, to find, he was driving up in the avenues of Salt Lake City, where the hospital's located, and he and he felt this bump, and he looks in his rearview mirror, and, uh, and this woman comes running out into the street, screaming, uh, he didn't know that uh, a young child had come down a, a driveway on a bike and had gone underneath his car. And he was dragging this child and this bike underneath his car. And uh, they finally get him to stop. And there's, there's weeping and there's wailing and there's the police show up and the police put him in the back seat of his car. And, and he's, uh, you know, he... he Right, terrible, terrible, uh, terrible sequence of events, and and uh, he's there in the back of his car, and all these people are looking at him, and you know, judging him, and all these terrible things that may be said, or the looks at least that are given, and the police questioning him, and all of that, and he said he was sitting in the back of the police car all alone for a moment, and he said a woman opened up the door of the police car. And a woman looked at him, an older woman, and she said, young man, everything will be okay. I'm putting your name in the temple today. And he said, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know what that meant. But he said, as soon as she said that, I felt this rush of spirit and peace and love and hope and confidence come over me. And he said, I knew there were angels in the car with me at that moment. As soon as she did that, I felt the presence of angels because of what she did in my presence. And he said, I decided that moment, when he's like 16 or 17, that if that ever happened to me, that I would forgive 
So when this, so it does happen to him. And he loses his daughters, his wife and baby. And he had already decided that no matter what happened, he would forgive. So having made that decision long before those terrible, that terrible event occurred in his life helped him to be able to, to forgive. And it's interesting that this story is also, again, related in Elder Anderson's book, but it, I just wanted to read a part of it where he is invited. This young man's name was Cameron, um, and Cameron, of course, was really like, like a juvenile. I, I think he may have been 18, but he was in prison for a little while for drunk driving and, and manslaughter. And uh, he was invited to, uh, by a counselor to meet with Cameron. And I just want to read a part about that event. Uh, After checking in at the desk, I entered a small reception area where I awaited the counselor. A large, thick security door opened, and she stepped forward into the waiting area, greeting me warmly and thanking me for being willing to come. As we walked towards the room where I would meet Cameron, my mind was quieted, and I felt a growing sense of considerable peace. I knew that the counselor and I were not walking alone. She quickly turned into a small conference where Cameron was seated, waiting for us to arrive. We sat across from each other, and Cameron unfolded a piece of paper and began to ask about my life since the accident. How had it affected me, he wanted to know. How had it affected my surviving sons? How had it affected my extended family? He wanted more to know about Ben, uh, Anna, and Michelle to to help him know them and appreciate who they were. I think those, so Ben, Anna, and Michelle, Michelle's his wife. They were the ones that had passed because of the accident, right? And he wanted to know about them so he could appreciate them. I don't know what I said, only what I felt. Complete calm as I answered each question as directly and concisely as I could. Cameron then dropped the paper, looked directly into my eyes, and asked, After all that I've done to your family, how is it that you were able to forgive me? I leaned forward and said, If there is anything you have seen me do or heard me say or have read about me regarding forgiveness, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but he put a whole letter, pay, paid on his own for to put a whole letter into the Deseret News to ask the community to forgive this young man because it was such a tragic event and everybody knew about it. Uh, and and that he had forgiven this young man and asking everyone else to forgive. So he says, if you've read any of that, you should know something. It was merely the Savior working through me. 
The spirit that filled that room was profound as it pierced both of our hearts with an eternal truth. We are loved by the pure love of Jesus Christ, and he wants us to fulfill our potential. <clears throat> I think that's such an amazing story. An example, Scott, again, of it, it, it requires a miracle. It, and I don't know if miracles just come to us. They may sometimes because others are praying for us. But miracles don't just happen in our lives unless we seek them, unless we're earnest about that. And uh, no doubt this miracle was a result of many people's prayers, especially Chris's, maybe Cameron's too. And uh, it, it requires help. It requires an act of God through us by the power of Jesus Christ in his atoning sacrifice delivered into our lives through the Holy Ghost to really be able to forgive others even in such terrible, tragic, awful events as that one. I wish we had Cameron's story. I wish we had the rest of his story. Yeah. You know, we have Chris's story. We have that, which is beautiful. And in and of itself, enough to inspire faith-promoting forgiveness in our own lives towards others. Yeah. But, you know, we've mentioned it earlier that sometimes the most difficult forgiveness that we extend is to ourselves. And I wonder, I hope Cameron has been able to work through that the same way. I, I hope that... Uh, he's been able to feel the same relief, the same freedom from the bondage of his own guilt. And, uh, you know, which is always, I was going to say worse than probably it really is. I don't know that because I haven't been through that. And that's pretty, that's pretty dramatic. Yeah. What, what, all, what all took place there. But, uh, you know, it, and that's the thing. It, it is sometimes a little more difficult for us to forgive ourselves. I get to see this a lot uh, in recovery. You know, we have... Uh, as part of our step work, you know, there's a house cleaning inventory that we do. We've talked about that before. And a lot of times uh, things will come up uh, that will require uh, forgiveness or to seek forgiveness uh, for something that we've done. And, and some of the most miraculous spiritual experiences I've seen have been uh, in those types of settings, you know, where, where spouses have forgiven husbands for infidelity and, and uh, you know, even even um, infidelity against um, minors and so spent prison time, you know, and, and spouses have been forgiving. Not all, but some, you know, and, and I think of what a miracle that is. You know, I know, I know people, many, countless people who have at the hand of a perpetrator in their youth been sexually abused, molested, uh, or physically abused by parents or coaches or teachers or whatever the case may be, you know, and, and, uh, just the forgiveness that I have been able to see extended in the spirit that comes because of that in those settings, which is really, you know, we don't, it, it's more of a secular setting, even though, you know, we do bring in, you know, the power of God and we do bring in spiritual concepts. It's really not a religious experience. It's a secular experience. But nonetheless, the blessings come for those forgivenesses that take place, right? And, you know, I, I just think that 
in a world where we have so many reasons and for division and so many reasons to hold and harbor resentment and so many reasons to see ourselves as different from, whether that's better than or worse than. Uh, you, there, in, in all of those cases, we have the world, by and large, has extended a huge invitation for us to hold resentments or to have bad feelings towards each other or certain groups. And, and you know, our, our world would be different. Our, our whole world, our families, our lives, let's start with our individuals. Our individual lives would be different. Our families would be different. Every relationship that we are in would be different, but the entire world and Heavenly Father's entire world would be different if we could just adopt the Christ-like attribute of learning how to forgive. Yeah, to offer mercy, to extend mercy, to extend grace. And, Scott, there's just so much contention in our in our culture, in our society, in our world. And, you know, President Nelson addressed that uh, yeah. in the last general conference and and just is imploring us to to choose. It's a choice. To choose to uh, offer the love of God yeah. and the love of Christ in, in place of contention. So I, th- I think that uh, maybe... As I as we conclude this, I just want to read uh, one of my favorite quotes on this subject from President Uchtdorf when he was in the First Presidency uh, back in uh, April of 2012 General Conference. He gives this counsel. Forgiving ourselves and others is not easy. In fact, for most of us, it requires a major change in our attitude, in our way of thinking, even... A mighty change of heart. This mighty change of heart is exactly what the gospel of Jesus Christ is designed to bring into our lives. How is it done? Through the love of God. And I always equate, Scott, the love of God with the atonement of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Then, then Elder Uchtdorf goes on. When our hearts are filled with the love of God, something good and pure happens to us. We keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. The more we allow the love of God to govern our minds and our emotions. We've talked a lot about that, Scott. Perfect love casteth out all fear, right? When we allow the love of God to govern our minds and emotions, and that's a choice, the more we allow our love for our Heavenly Father to swell within our hearts, the easier it is to love others with the pure love of Christ. As we open our hearts to the glowing dawn of the love of God, the darkness and cold of animosity and envy and resentment will eventually fade. I know it sometimes takes time. He say, he uses the word eventually, will fade. I understand that. In God's timing, in God's way. But I also know that sometimes it can be instant, almost instantaneous. 
as it was with Corey Ten Boom, and really as it was with Chris Williams and others. It may take some time, but it can also be instantaneous. And sometimes we have more uh, choice and more to do with that than we think we do. But I, I just want to say, say about this quote, if we can learn to control our minds and our emotions, Scott, that is what opens our hearts to feel the love of God. And again, that love of God, charity, the pure love of Christ, is what you can't feel hate, you can't feel resentment, you can't feel animosity and envy if, you, if your heart is filled with charity or the pure love of Christ. It, it would probably not be a great idea. I mean, we could try it, but for somebody to just jump right into the forgiveness part of the process here, you know, it, it, it's, it's important. What we, the reason we don't just start with forgiveness, I mean, here we are at the manifestations, right, of repentance, and forgiveness is a big one of that, but we don't just jump right into the manifestations of repentance without going through the, the repentance process. And that's why here we are, week 31, I think, uh, of this episode, uh, you know, of this this part of uh, this season. Here we are, week 30 or 31. We don't just dive into forgiveness in week one, even though that's the end game of what we're trying to gain is forgiveness for ourselves and for others and to become more like him. And that's how we become more like him. But we have to begin in the very beginning, right? We have to understand what repentance is. We have to understand the foundations of repentance. We and have what to, it's not. Exactly. <laughs> first, right? Yeah. And then we have to understand the actions of repentance and the manifestations of repentance. The foundations and, of repentance. Yeah, uh, that comes before the actions. And, and, you know, and all of that has to happen for us before we can get here. So right. if we're struggling, and some of us are, if we're struggling, let's not try and short circuit All this. of us are. <laughs> okay. We, yeah, that's <laughs> fair enough. We all are struggling. Sinners, helping sinners, that, That's all we're doing here. So, gang, if this is something that we are struggling with, which we probably are at some level, maybe, maybe we go back and just take a quick or, or a deep assessment or an inventory of where we are in the repentance process for that particular thing. How do we see them? How do we see ourselves, you know? Do we see, do we understand? Important. We have to go really all the important. way back to our preexistent experience. Our identity. Exactly, because if we know who we are and whose we are, then we must know who they are and whose they are. And if we, as we do that and go through, again, all of this repentance process, it brings us to forgiveness. It's not just out of the gate. It is a gift. Listen to the, my, my last thing, final statement is from 2018 Christmas devotional. President Russell M. Nelson, president, prophet, seer, revelator, he said, quote, a gift the Savior's, a gift at Christmas time mm -hmm. that the Savior offers you is the ability to forgive. It is usually 
easy to forgive one who sincerely and humble seeks your forgiveness. But the Savior will grant you the ability to forgive anyone who has mistreated you in any way. Then their hurtful acts can no longer canker your souls. That's the final word. That's power. That's power in the atonement of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and a further testimony of his redeeming blood, which has been spelt, spilt for each and every one of us. Thanks for being with us today. Another great uh, day. Thanks, Dave, for uh, your insights, as always, and your willingness to take time to, to teach us these important things. Remember, everybody, you have been redeemed through his blood. We look forward to being with you each and every week. We'll see you next week. Uh-huh.